Sky Radio 76 proudly presents the 515 Show with your host, John Sarver. Who's at the 515 door today? Well, this is going to be an easy one. <laughs> We're going to call him up right now. It's, um... Sure. <laughs> um... There we go. We knew we had it going. He had a. It's an amazing thing what he has to do, is trying to get together with the American Hot Rod Association, and we're going to bring him in right now. Dallas Brown, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Welcome to it, my good man. Hopefully, you guys don't have any snow down there. Oh uh, no, we didn't get any snow, but we got uh, a lot of rain. <laughs> I had a drive-through, as a matter of fact. Um, coming back from uh, the track in Iowa. Really? So we got nine hours with rain, yeah. Wow. I mean, how <laughs> how much fun is that going? Am I in the middle of a typhoon? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got my pontoon to stick <laughs> on the truck. Should I got into boating instead? Exactly. Job well done. <laughs> Talk about job well done. How is 2022 going for you? Uh, actually, it's shaping up to be a pretty good season um things are going a little bit better than i that i than they have in the past um you know like this is our fifth year and we've had to fight covid for essentially three years um and uh it looks like things are starting to loosen up a bit and loosen up you mean by how um more racer participation um less pushback from uh you know uh, the political side <laughs> and um it, it allows the spectators to get out and do things um our merchandise sales are up so that always helps out because that just goes right back into the association you know something do they still have the uh whatever they call them the foil they call them the rainbow up here the uh the one where the hra shield has it looks like it's on um uh like it changes color depending on which way the sun hits it. Oh, the prismatic one? Yeah, the rainbow. Yeah, they still I, got I have, that? I have those. Um, I don't have a shield one. I do have the AHRA logo one that was a reproduction from 68. Got to get that. I mean, anybody that's listening right now, how do they even get a... If they want to take a look at some AHRA merchandise to buy because... You know, holidays coming up, birthdays are coming up. It's not too early for Christmas to get an AHRA shirt. Where are they okay. going? Well, um, we tried to make it simple. It's a little convoluted because it is just myself and my wife that run the whole thing. Um, but what we did is we set up an eBay store, and then we put a link on our AHRA webpage, which is ahraonline.com. Um, you can click the merch link at the top, and it will take you over to our uh, eBay store. And then it lists everything that we have. And matter of fact, it, it doesn't list everything that we have. It has almost everything we have, but um, <laughs> it does have those decals. Are you hiding back? <laughs> uh, there's some things I got just for um, our shareholders uh-huh. that are just shareholder specific. All right. So, Well, you probably want to talk about being a shareholder in the NHRA. How does one do that? Well, in the HRA, um, we have... Um, H- well, we only sell our stock uh, like every other year. So this year, starting on October 20th, uh, we'll sell stock in the AHRA. It's uh, when I when I started doing this, uh, you know, I initially went to 
went to the bank to get a loan, and of course they wouldn't approve it. And uh, you know the history behind it just kind of ruffled feathers, and it just did not work out. Um, the business plan we had was solid; they were happy with the business plan. It's just that the uh, the history behind the association they didn't know how well it was going to go. So <clears throat> what I did was I created my own way to generate capital to get the whole thing rolling, and I kind of patterned it after the Green Bay Packers. If you're familiar with that sure. football team. And they're not, they're the only publicly owned football team um, where the people from Green Bay and, and, you know, their fans around the world um, buy stock and the Packers um, to ensure that they keep going and, you know, to help them buy these uh, expensive players and stuff like that so they can, or, you know, make repairs to Lambeau Field. Um, And that's how we started doing it was, it was essentially a lifetime stock. Um, once you bought one, and you're only eligible to hold one, and then the, we were doing um, a shareholders meeting to where we would vote on the direction we were going to go uh, for the you know the following year, and the shareholders would all have one vote. So you couldn't go in and buy 900 stock and and have all the leverage to say which direction they wanted to go. Hmm. So we just made it to where one person could hold one stock, and then um, that was it. And it's a lifetime commitment between us and the. Uh, in the shareholder, so and they can pass the, the the stock on to like you know someone else. Maybe they become terminally ill or whatever. They can pass it on to someone else. It's just that person has to be a member. Wow. So I'm thinking that stock price is probably just a little bit more than a Tesla stock. Stock, I should say. Um, I have no idea what a Tesla stock's sitting at. Uh, ours, <laughs> at twelve hundred. What's that? It's sitting at, I think it's just at, uh, well, last we saw it was $1,022. Oh, yeah. Well, you could buy, like, quite a bit more AHRA <laughs> stock for that kind of coin. <laughs> and get much better value. Well, right. Yeah. Uh, but this is, um, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, our association doesn't catch on fire at stoplights. So, um <laughs> Oh, you say that now, and sooner or later you're going to have an EV competition. <laughs> well, you know, I was literally like the first person all over that thing. Um, I just couldn't get the, I couldn't get the backing, and I had a vision for something that was a little bit different than regular just EV racing. Um, what do you got? Well, I, I don't want to spill the beans because okay. if I ever find somebody that that really is interested in making EV stuff go. Um, I could probably squash just about everybody out there with a. I got a really good plan. Woo! Um, okay. All right. That so, I mean, the gauntlet has been thrown down now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone hasn't figured out the benefits of the EV yet, and luckily, that's where I have history and, and a lot of uh, things that I've done before. And, and last we talked, you know, I talked about I was in the Navy 23 years, but my job sure. was uh, hunting submarines, and there's very big benefits to. Um, electric, well, diesel-electric submarines that uh, apply well to this uh, situation with the EV that people haven't picked up on yet. And you, you could virtually take things. It doesn't necessarily have to be on a drag strip. Well, I, I'm telling you what, you're just about a, a year or so early because everybody's trying to figure this one out. First of all, we got to get a whole lot more EVs out there. But my lord, I mean, uh, everything that's going out and the crazy horsepower numbers that they're pushing and and all right. kinds of things, you know, it's like wow, it's coming. I mean, when when the big three 
and everybody is saying, here, we're going to make an electric Challenger. We're going to make an electric Camaro. We've already made electric or two different versions, electric uh, Mustangs. You know, whoever uh -huh. jumps on this thing first is going to win because this forward is what kids are going to be able to buy, and that's what they're going to be racing, and their demographic is going to, you know, well, we're talking, you know, 10 years, 11 years down the road here, but still, when when EVs make a bigger impact than 4%, who's ever ready to have a uh, race program ready for them is going to take all the money. Right. Well, I, and I started early in 2017 when we brought the AHRA back. Uh, I went directly to the Nidra guys, which was um, Keith Howard and uh, John Metric, and they're the ones that were pretty much leading the charge on the whole EV thing. Mm -hmm. um, even today, if you watch any of the stuff, uh, like uh, Farm Truck and Asian did an electric, mm -hmm. um, like a S10, right, for their show? Yeah. Um, Keith Howard is the one that delivered the essentially the batteries that they needed to make it work. And <clears throat> these guys are at the forefront of the whole thing. The NEDRA, um, it's, it's the National Electric Drag Racing Association. But... Um, I was working with them from the get-go on on my plan, and I really wasn't focusing specifically on the large cars. Um, that was a thing that was, to me, um, the large cars themselves were, it was something that was going to take years to develop, just like you were saying. Um, it, it, the main manufacturers of the electric automobiles have to produce enough before you can start having specifically a series for them, right? I mean, mm -hmm. right now, if I ran a Slant 6, race i would have more cars than electric cars <laughs> probably show up yeah yeah considering that they've been around for a little bit longer right. <laughs> yeah but what fun would that be a slant oh, I six had one last year I, I did have one last year i had a slant six race um and it brought people from all over the country matter of fact there was a Oh, I want to say it's a 66 Turbo Valiant that was running 630s in street trim, like wow. total legal on the, in, in a, with a slant. Um, so it was, I mean, there wasn't, you know, for the lack of, uh, I guess, better terms, there, there wasn't any lesser performance. It was just more mind-boggling performance that, you, you know, you got a slant 6, you know, uh, and it is, in my opinion, probably one of the most reliable engines made. Um, right up there with the 300 Ford, and um, you know, you start looking at slants and you, or uh, inline sixes, and you have your, um, you have, of course, the Nissans and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, when you start talking American inlines, slant six is up there <laughs> with the, amongst the greats. So, oh yeah, I mean, uh, it was technically speaking, it, it was a, a mechanical marvel. Really, how how they did that, and you couldn't beat up a slant six. And I don't care if it was the two twenty five or the one ninety eights. You know, I it's you couldn't beat them. I mean, they're not the most quickest of engines, but geared correctly. Blah blah blah. This thing could really they could go, and you can't destroy oh, yeah. them. Well, you know that that whole race turned out to be like the opposite of any drag race that had ever been to <laughs> or and had been associated with. It was the completely opposite. It was so different because, uh, all right, the um, the racers, you know, generally when you go to a race, either some of the racers are really happy with the track or they're, they're 
immediately over at your your tent telling you bitching about how the track's not hooking. Right. This place, the guys were immediately over the tent saying, "Hey, can we pull some of the hook out because it's bogging the cars?" Right. <laughs> and it was that was the uh, yeah. that was the beginning of the day. But mm-hmm. even the track officials were like. Look, we didn't have a single car blow anything up or oil down the track. And I said, well, you took the most reliable engine they made and yeah. pretty much run it down the track. And when you start looking at the spectators, a lot of them were there. They didn't care how fast or slow the cars were. The You know, the cars were still in some of the heads-up classes were virtually side-by-side side, uh, the whole time. So it was it was an interesting thing, and it was completely different than what you expected. The ambiance after the race was even better um there was guys from all over the country and they they brought like uh only alcohol that you could buy in your in your area and they were all sharing it around and everybody was having a good time with a bonfire <laughs> after the event so we're not talking vp fuels here we're talking the shine of the moon i'm thinking <laughs> well maybe some of that uh <laughs> possibly some you know beers for uh in a local area but yeah. um yeah, it was it was actually a really good time. It was that, like I said, the opposite of what you would expect from a normal drag race. It had its own little ambiance, um, and so uh, like this year we tried to build upon it. Um, we ended up moving it to Katy Dragway in Ohio, um, but we're we're calling it the um, Inliner National Challenge. So, <laughs> and we open up to all inlines, right? So. Uh, that was the neat thing. I mean, we had a dragster there that had a three-liter uh, Mercruiser engine, which is uh, four cylinders from a 292 Chevy. Cool, man. And, oh, my gosh, did that thing sound like a monster. You wouldn't believe it was only three liters, you know? And I just thought this was so neat that I had never seen any of these, you know, a specialized event for inliners. They usually piggyback off other stuff. Uh, you know, you have Mopar Nationals, and you have a few yeah. plant guys, and... Um, this thing is uh, it's it's doing okay. It's it's kind of eclectic and weird, and just weird enough that it's interesting for just about anybody who's a gearhead. You know what, Dallas? I mean, this is in in one way, man. I mean, God love you. I mean, because this is we always put ourselves in your spot, thinking, okay, if I buy the logo of the HRA and everything that goes about it, and you know, we have really good ideas. People are going to be flooding through that door. Okay. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't happen. But the thing that we really love about you and the uh, and the HRA is that you think so differently to as opposed to the same-o, same-o, same-o. Your, your races are the most fun to watch, you know, even when you just read, um, you know, the what's coming up this weekend at what racetrack, only because... It's so fun when you read how, I mean, I don't know if you, like, go out on the Chaise Lounge and have an epiphany sometimes, but, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just different, and, and it's just amazing. And this is exactly, exactly what any kind of fan wants to see. I mean, a Slant 6 National or Inline National or something, everybody knew somebody who had a Slant 6. I can't tell you how many people I know that have, you know, 600 cubes plus. But I'm thinking, as you said, they're going pretty well side by side. Yeah, you know, you probably have a couple of Valiants going side by side. That's all driver skill. I mean, <laughs> right. once that slant six winds up, that's all you get. 
you know, but right. you're going to come yeah. back again. You're not going to wait 20 minutes for the engines to cool down. I think it's brilliant. And now you have okay. another race coming up, too, really soon, I do believe, right? Um, well, we have a couple more. Um, we have the big one for this year that we've kind of put all of our effort into is uh, I started focusing on the fun events because that's where it seemed to be. All right. So like your slanted nationals, you said it's completely different and in, in yeah. out in left field. Um, hmm. When I when I started thinking about doing the AHRA, I had, I guess, the one epiphany that I had. Um, the rest of it was just dumb luck. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> If we were doing same old, same old, yeah. that was not working. We were watching the sport go backwards, and less and less um, participants and spectators and yeah. and sportsmen than there was in the heyday. And there's more people now, and that made no sense. So what we tried to do with the focus was not so much the event itself. It was putting the people back in the event that should be there, and then the they walk away with having the experience of that it was, it was majorly fun, right? Once once you get to the drag race and you realize only maybe two or three people are going home with money and the rest of you don't get squat, <laughs> right? Yep, you all still pay the same amount. Right. That if you all walk away with it being fun, that's completely different than losing out. Yeah. And, and so that's what I decided that most of our fun events had to be. So the next big one that we focused on this year was we created a uh, – it's a YouTube content creator uh, race. Uh, it's not necessarily a race. It's like a fun weekend. Um, it's called the No Name Nationals. It's uh, happening in Sykeston, Missouri on September 30th and October 1st. And you have to be a recognized YouTube content creator. And that means you have to have 500 subscribers, right? So that's where YouTube recognizes you as a uh, content creator. Well, we... We were supposed to go live and announce it on January the 1st, and I ended up catching, like, you know, COVID-20, sure. and oh, it dang near killed me. And uh, we kind of postponed everything until I got better about the middle of January, and we announced it. And um, it's looking like we're probably going to sell it out. Uh, it's, it's turning out to be pretty big, and I've got quite a few big YouTube uh content creator so if you you know if you watch any of the youtube channels those are the those are the ones that's going to be competing um i don't know if you've ever seen uh dalton summit's uh pole barn garage where he has the holy gto and he <laughs> he bought this gto in west texas that was oh, shot yes. up with a shotgun yeah it look, yeah it looks horrendous it's like how the hell does this thing even run right yeah like he's gonna be there um we're working on getting steve mags there uh, Uncle Tony from Uncle Tony's Garage is going to be there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of big YouTubers that, you know, they don't have an event. And so what we did was Friday we did a bracket race and a burnout contest. Um, Saturday we're doing a uh, um, we're doing a heads up uh, call out event, and then we're also doing uh, a class that we put together from the AHRA that we thought would be fun. We always wanted to have a spec class. Um, the sad part is there's so few vehicles that you can do for spec class anymore. Yeah. Uh, one of them is like 2009 to 2020 uh, Dodge Caravan um, because it didn't change <laughs> for that whole entire period. But instead, we decided to go a different route, and we picked the uh, the Coleman 
um, CT100 mini bike that you can buy at <laughs> Harbor Freight, or not Harbor Freight, at uh, Tractor Supply. And then we put a basic couple rules on it and uh, and turn them loose. And we got people uh, jumping into this thing with both feet um, for this mini bike shootout. And uh, I think it's going to kind of be like... Um, You've seen the boat races where they build the cardboard boats and they jump them off a bridge and land yeah. in the water how long they float. Well, I think it's kind of turning into more like that, but yet also still a mini bike race. Um, we got somebody building um, a supercharger for this thing. It's made out of two big block Chevrolet oil pumps um, <laughs> and uh, trying to get seven horse out of a three horse, um, you know, Predator engine. So it, it's going to be definitely interesting. <laughs> Man, it's going to be some go and some blow on oh, a mini yeah. bike. Yep. And, and the only thing we did was we limited them that they needed to use uh, gasoline. Or actually, they could use any fuel but nitro. So Nitro. <laughs> mini bike. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know somebody would do it. You know oh, somebody sure. would do it. Yeah, that's why we had to put the, the rule on that one. You know, I figured that was going to happen the, the second person in, right? Yeah. So. I mean, they got to wear leathers? I mean, how is this going? They, well, they have to have just the basic uh, needed motorcycle equipment. So um, it, these things aren't going to be all that fast. You know, if they're 70, 80 miles an hour in the eighth mile, um, you're looking at just your blue jeans and jacket and uh, long pants and uh, closed-toed shoes and a helmet and gloves, you know, and then a dead man switch. I'd be damned so, impressed if that thing went 80 miles per hour or 70 miles per hour in the 8th. <laughs> well, uh, them junior dragsters get up there pretty high. If you if you take all the stops off of them suckers, they get up there pretty high, too. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, what kind of tire do you run in that class? <laughs> oh, yeah, it, definitely different than the mini bike tire. It's made yeah. for dirt, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's brilliant. You know, and how cool, because you know damn well that YouTube folks love to have more content, you know, so what would be more right. content than them being a Gus Drag Racer? Talk about your win-win. Well done, Mr. Brown. Well, thank you. Job well done. All uh, right, so what track is that going to be at? Oh, that's in uh, Jeffers Motorsports Park in Sykeston, Missouri. Whew. Okay, now... There, there's one thing that before we get to your other ones, I want to, so I, I don't forget. Now, we were taking a look at, at some of those uh, videos and pictures and stuff that we saw from, oh my God, don't help me on this one. Humboldt, is it? Oh, yeah, uh, Humboldt County. Yeah, and, and their drag strip and stuff. I mean, are, are they one of yours? Are they coming up? I mean, what is this? Well, they are. Um, okay, originally we picked them up the first year that we had brought the AHRA back, and they were called North Iowa Dragway, and they're in Humboldt, Iowa. <laughs> and it's, you know, when when we went in there in 2018, um, we, we were working with the track operator where the previous guy had done some really bad, dirty stuff oh. and, and ran the thing in the ground. And mm-hmm. um, well, then we worked with that track operator, and he ended up getting greedy and sticking his hand, you know, in places where it shouldn't be and... Um, and uh, pretty much squash and everything. Well, now you got uh, Tom Monson and his wife, were, who are big supporters of us being up there, um, mm-hmm. because we had a race that we did up there called Match Race Madness, 
and it went really well. It brought cars from all over the country, from you know, and it was virtually just a heads-up, best of three uh, pro tree. And um, you'd pair the cars up based on ET, and then you let them eat. And the winner walked away with a trophy, and um, the loser did not. <laughs> and it was really just that simple. It was like to turn the regular racer into the star for the weekend, right? And if yeah. if I threw big money out there, you'd have big chiefs showing up and uh, you know, all these guys that just come out and just whack everybody. Yeah, mine runs 620, and then you turn it loose for real, uh, you know, in 370s, and you can't you can't compete. But when there's no money on the line, them guys don't even bother showing up. So, um, and it's the same way with the, you know, the, the street racers with the, uh, the big sleepers. Um, so we just wanted it to be fair and fun and, and enjoyable by the racer. And it, it did really well. Um, when, uh, when things went south with that track operator in 2020, um, they dropped us. And then Tom and his wife picked it up uh, in 21, or in 22, the end of 21, right? So right. we were happy to have the track back because it's literally like the drag strip that time forgot. Um, How so? Well, it it was built in 62, and it's had very few improvements on it since 62. <laughs> it really looks like a track from 1962. Wow. Um, so that's, I mean, yeah. That's good and bad, right? I mean, if you hold a nostalgia race, wow, it looked like you stepped back in time. Um, but when you start looking at, at ETs from cars from 1962 compared to today, you get start getting a little worried. <laughs> yeah, right. depending on what they did to the lanes themselves. I mean, if the lanes themselves are, are haven't been touched in 62, yeah, I'd hold my breath. It has a guardrail on uh, one side. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, if you get out of shape on the north side, you're going in the corn because it's literally ten feet from cornfield. How do you have how do you have a guardrail on only one side? Because there's there's nothing on the uh, north side but corn. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's just uh, like I said, the, the track that time forgot. The, the neat thing is about the guardrail. It's just like Indy used to be, where they had the standoff where you had a guardrail that was probably, what, 35 feet off of the track, uh, maybe 50 feet off the track. And um, it it does, it does take you back to, you know, when things were simpler and, and easier and different. Yeah, I mean, we uh, were taking a look at some, like, the uh, tracks, because there's, there's some tracks that have metal uh, railing, and folks won't touch it. They won't go there because they don't, you know, in case something goes wrong, they only want concrete. But then they showed them, like, the Winter Nationals and stuff from 1960, 1961. There was no rails, no kind of rails. You right. went off, you you had some fun, you know. So here, here's my thought on that. Um, that. So that's the Armco guardrail, right, the metal guardrail yeah. that uh, people really freak out about. Yeah. Drive down the interstate and see what kind of guardrails they got. Marco, yeah. and that's what they've had for 60 years. Now, has there been improvements? Sure. But when you start looking at the concrete, what's the downfalls? Like, you know, um, what, Bill Jennings put concrete in the, uh, up at uh, Lapeer, right? Yeah. What did it do? It changed the perspective on where the racer could actually see. So then they had to raise the stands up, right, so you could actually see what was going on. Um, otherwise, you didn't see anything but a roof line go down the track. Yeah, you might so, let a 
Yeah, and guess what? Guess who's uh, chopping down all those walls this year? Who's that? <laughs> Up here. They're widening. Oh, they're taking them down? Yeah, they're widening the whole. Um, both lengths are going to be both. Lanes are going to be 28.5 now. And so that's five, that's three foot bigger than NHRA minimum. So, yeah, originally he thought this was a great idea. Matter of fact, he was just on a couple of weeks ago, and we had the exclusive that they're knocking down those walls and redoing the whole nine yards. And it ain't cheap to do. You know, but you're oh, right. I'm sure, yeah. The original, you saw hoods. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's uh, that's how it normally is, and it, they even did that at Indy. Uh, I went to Indy as a kid, all the way through from like the seventies through the eighties, and then the nineties. And when they put that uh, the concrete barrier in, um, probably about what ninety ninety one. All you can see is like literally the the wing on the top fuel cars. Um, you couldn't see the thing anymore. Yeah, it just wasn't easy to see, and for it being a spectator sport makes it really difficult when you can't spectate. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of brings us back to, to the folks in the cornfield and the whole nine yards. It's only because you read this story, and it's a hell of a story. I mean, it really is. It's Here's a husband and wife team, and the wife, I think as it goes, she wanted to open up an antique shop, and if she got that, then we'll listen to opening up a drag or buying a drag strip, and then we saw, right. you know, folks doing a little bit of paint, you know, making it look kind of spiffy and driving it up and stuff. And we love that because, man, so many of the tracks are now becoming Amazon warehouses. You know, right. And well, and that's the big problem. If you've, if you've noticed what's going on with the big sanctioning bodies, they're selling these tracks off for property, right? And when, you, when the track disappears, it's not like it's ever coming back. No. Um, I so disagreed with Atlanta going away. That's the one that probably hurt me the most. Because when I think Atlanta, I think of probably the same thing everybody else does, which is 1985 Pro Stock, Bob Glidden, upside down in the lights, and on fire, jumps out, throws his jacket over the intake plenum of the car, <laughs> right? Yeah. That was the first thing he did. He wasn't caring about the car. <laughs> he didn't care about what kind of ET he ran or if he won or he lost. He wanted to cover up the intake manifold because he had about a million man hours in that sucker. So... I, I thought that was that's what I always think of when I think of Atlanta, um, but that one's gone now. And then you know, so much like a lot of the IHRA tracks, PBIR, uh, that one's gone now. You're, that's your Amazon warehouse. So is uh, what English Town. Uh, it's a parking lot now. Um, Cordova got sold, and thankfully some uh, local people bought it, and they're going to continue operating it as a drag strip. Uh, Memphis just closed. Yeah. And it's going to be a warehouse. So it, it's it's a very troubling and difficult time, I guess, in, in I wouldn't say just drag racing, but motorsports in general. I mean, what Wild Horse Pass just announced they're going to close, and Fontana closed in California. And it's, the list is almost endless for the past three years. Uh, oh, sure. I mean... Especially when you go back to, I mean, when you look at old pictures of, like, Ontario, California, you went, how the heck did you guys get sold? I mean, you had everything right there, but, you know, somehow over there at um, uh, Palm, uh, down in Florida, evidently they got one more reprieve, and I guess that's tonight or tomorrow from the oh. how, how they're going to be doing the, um, the zoning. I guess they got one last 
shot at this. Now, what's the chances? Yeah, about that good. I mean, somehow, some way, that Amazon guy's got a lot of money in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's and like, it, we don't need any more. I feel like going shopping at a mall now just so keep Amazon away so we can keep drag strips. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and unfortunately, that's just kind of where it's going because of the yeah. property. Right? It's already developed property. Mm-hmm. The sad part is, you know, like um, Lyons drag strip went away in, what, 72? So it's 72, Lyons drag strip closed forever. And they used it as part of the pier of Long, the port of Long Beach. True, yeah. And they just they stack up Connex boxes on it all day long, and that's all they ever do, right? Um, it hasn't changed. The layout hasn't changed. It's still there. Uh, maybe the writing was on the wall from day one, but you know, the unfortunate thing is these tracks are going away. And, and you guys have a success story up there in Michigan just by you, but with uh, Milan, which I thought it was gone. You know, and lo and behold, that sucker's come back around. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. In Michigan, We this is the first year, and we can remember how long, that all six tracks are now operating. And that's pretty <laughs> phenomenal, you know. Well, I remember, yeah, three years ago, I was calling the folks that were trying to keep Onondaga alive. And I said, uh, they were getting noise complaints was the big thing. And I said, hey, I got history in this. Uh, I actually used to do this for the Navy and uh, gave them a rundown on how to how to properly measure and mitigate noise. And I don't know if anybody else even has history in that from the other sanctioned bodies. I don't. I don't think they do. Um, it, it's, it's simple that we all can get along um, if, in reality, um, what's sad is, like, I think the folks in Onondaga were fighting noise ordinance, but literally two miles away was like a train station, you know, <laughs> or a train yard. Yeah. Airport, like, yeah. What in the world? How can someone even determine what, where the noise is coming from at that point? Well, it's Dallas. Basically, this is what goes on. You see a drag strip, and you go, you're right. That's developed property. It, but sometimes they have, you know, sewer on it, but they definitely have electric and it's all flat, and it's all ready to go. So if I'm a developer, I tell somebody, you know what, that sure is noisy. And so (laughs) what mayor or or what city council wouldn't go, let's see, how much tax revenue are we getting from a drag strip, and how much could we get if we have deluxe condos put on them or have Amazon put on there? I mean, ask anybody that had a drive-in theater. How'd that work for you guys? How many have reopened in the last 10 years? (laughs) <laughs> None. Yeah, yeah. I yeah mean, few and far between. Yeah, and you almost have to tell kids, you know, because old people have that real dreamy look in their eyes when they talk about them, you know, and you and young folks can't understand. You went in your car to watch a movie. How did that work out? You know. Yeah. Why? <laughs> why don't you stay inside? Why don't you oh, just look yeah, on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> but see, we just we love that that Humboldt story. Because this ain't easy for these folks, and they're not going to become millionaires, I don't think. But to have the gumption, to have the view, just like Dallas Brown has, to have the forethought of going, you know what, we can make this better. I know how to make this better. I just need to get some uh, luck to come my way. You know, because all the hard work's there, all the hard work that you do, holy jump, dude. You know, of trying to have to think about this. Other people, you know, IHRA, NHRA, all they have to do is go, hey, it's uh, Chevy versus the world this week. Wee, okay, got it. I know you, on the other hand, 
it is like, how do we get this? I mean, that that YouTube, you know, creators, brilliant idea. Really, really was. Slant 6, outrageous. Incredibly smart. You almost well, want to you. keep a look and see what... And, and if you're anybody that likes anything about drag racing, and I know that a lot of the HRA tracks are kind of centered into in the middle of the United States, you know, but take a look, or just here, let's make it even easier on you. Why don't you just hit the click follow button to the American Hot Rod Association? Cost you nothing. I don't think you sign up for anything, and, and Dallas isn't going to come bugging you at your house. You know, but if you want to be, uh, if you're a fan who loves drag racing, who loves the pageantry and the whole fun of the sport, the American Hot Rod Association is bringing that back in. Therefore, as I correct me if I'm wrong, Dallas, but there is no smoke and noise classes in the NHRA. So you don't have to worry about seeing the billionaires and their million-dollar vehicles and their million-dollar trucks show up. If you want to just drag racing, that cars that you can relate to, cars that you can drive, people that you can relate to that don't have 15 guys doing their, their intakes, you know, and two guys doing their exhaust all the time, you got one guy, his wife, his three kids, and one kid's in diapers. And the guy's trying to make it to the second round. That's the AHRA, man, because these people really want to race. And Dallas Brown makes a forum for these people to get into and not worry about it. It's, it's kind of like the planet fitness of drag racing. Everybody's invited. <laughs> I like to think more of us like what the average Joe's... Uh the average Joe's gym, like from Dodgeball, yeah, uh, you know, where we just we, we allow everybody to come in and have fun. You don't want to work out? Just sit around and watch everybody <laughs> else work out. You know? <laughs> yeah, we swear we will tell your wife that you did forty minutes on the setup machine. You know? Exactly. Sit yep. over there with the beer. <laughs> See that's a, that was one of the things when NHRA came into Michigan. A lot there there and there still may be, and I'm not sure how they're going to try to change this. But there's a lot of resistance because on the lower level, not lower level, on the entry level of drag racing, NHRA, the feeling is on the street is they've done nothing for these racers. Zero. They have, you know, if you're going to watch NHRA on TV, you're going to see the smoke and noise classes and enjoy yourself. You don't even know that there's bracket racing. You don't even know, you know, there's, there's, you know, a, a, whatever, a six class. It, yeah, it gets zero airtime. Yeah. They don't even talk about it. Like, you, you, they don't even talk about who won those classes. That's the sad part. Um, they don't even take the time to just discuss who's won and how and why or show the finals from each class. True. Uh, it, that's that's the you know the biggest takeaway that I had. That's what made me start doing the AHRA again um, was that specifically, right? Um, you have to have a sportsman level entry or AAA ball level entry, yeah. so that you can feed your professional level, right? Junior dragster was supposed to do that, and it has at some degree. Right, mm. but now a junior dragster to campaign one of those costs about as much it does as it does to run any other car. True, um, they're expensive, they're time consuming. It was supposed to be a kid who had a paper route, buy a Briggs five horse, and put it on a steel frame and go racing. We've gotten so far away from that, 
and that's the same thing that's happened to all the classes. They've been science to death to the point of no return, and there's no draw for it. There, there is no draw. Um, the, the luster has, has gone away because the regular person can't compete unless you have a, you know, let's say a seven-figure salary these days. Um, that's just where it's at. And then, so the focus was, well, you know what, out of all the professionals, let's say there's 200 professionals in, the, in North America or, a matter of fact, the world that run these high entry-level classes. Yeah. There's 40 billion other people that can run any other class, right? Mm-hmm. And so the focus was to make AHRA the sanctioning body for the rest of the 40 billion people. And we wanted to have something fun. We didn't want to exclude cars. So we just wanted to have broad classes that kind of enveloped a majority of what would fall within that area. Um, you know, you don't want to send anybody home, but you also don't want to have a place for no one to race but you do have to have limits on it so that you can draw the line somewhere, right? So it's fair somewhat. So that was kind of the idea behind it. Makes sense. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. I can't relate to a funny car anymore because they're, they're all NASCARs. You know, they're, well, they seem like one body, put your sticker on it, and here you go. I, I, it has nothing to me. It's, you know, when we were growing, growing up in drag racing, oh, my God, it, it's like... You recognize the Gene Snow car. You recognize the Candies and Hughes car. You recognize, you know, that's a Charger. That's supposed to be a Barracuda. That's supposed to be a Mustang. You know, now, it, it but, and it was a pretty good facsimile. Now, it's not. Now, I don't relate to it. It's a blob body that it, it's, I, I don't know what we're supposed to be excited about anymore with them, but they can't pan them on TV all the time. And after the John Forrest thing, it seems like all in drag racing, we had, even at the pro stock level, you knew who Grumpy was, you knew who Glidden was, Saxon Martin, etc. Now, you would think that the only people that are drag racing are top fuelers and John Force. And that's so wrong. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what we've done is we've, we've pushed ourselves out by, you know, sacrificing the sport for the sake of ETN dollar signs is really how I look at it. Yeah. And you, you've lost the panache. I mean, let, let's look at it like this. When you start looking at super gas classes, um, and they, they put the throttle stops on them, um, that, and you think that that's success, the pattern that they have today, that's where you failed because it's a spectator sport, right? It's much like boxing. And if you took the boxers out there and they had 22-inch air-filled rubber gloves, and they couldn't hit anybody, <laughs> it would make it not fun, right? And that's the same thing you've yeah. done with, like, the super classes. When you put the throttle stops on them, um, the, the spectators are sitting where the cars are supposed to leave. That's where the excitement is at, the buildup, the whole nine yards. And then you make it all about the stripe. Well, there's no one sitting at the stripe. There's no one to see who won by an inch and a quarter, right? No one cares about that. Yeah. So that that's where I think they, they've lost it because they don't understand the what it was all about and what it's supposed to be and how things are supposed to work in the sport. And if we've we've nickel and dimed it to the point where it's you've watered it down to where you can't even get a buzz off of it anymore. <laughs> I, I, 
That's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right, because there's no stars anymore. There is no right. coming to your town, you know, snake and mongoose. There isn't any of that, because there's nobody sponsoring it. There is no Mattel. You know, there there isn't any Budweiser, any Coca-Cola. I mean, the ones that would really put drag racing in the forefront... They don't have that anymore, and so now you're fighting that. Okay, so going back to what you have, you know, I mean, here's, I would say, the above-average Joe who really wants to hit it and get it. Let's have fun and bring back the fans. You don't bring back the fans. Look how fast you're going to die because you're not the NFL that has great TV money that they can put to every single racetrack to keep it okay. Right. Now, so right. I, I was... I was looking at, you got to look at from a big perspective for drag racing. I mean, really in the 70s, what made it successful. And so I, I had come up with an idea for an event last year, and there's no way I could ever make it go because it would take zillions of dollars, which I don't have. But, like, have you ever seen the movie Sunny, or Funny Car Summer? I'm sure you have. Yeah. With Big, big Jim Dunn, right? Yeah. Okay. What if you had an event called Funny Car Summer and you threw them all on an open trailer and you made them tow from track to track to track and go to like five different tracks during the course of a week and it's just funny car show after funny car show after funny car show after funny car show. How awesome would that just the traveling road show down the interstate be? Yeah. Yeah. Right? But I'm, are you talking new, uh, new funny cars or nostalgia funny cars? No, I'm talking nostalgia funny car. Something that okay. actually has the uh, the body shape of the car that it was intended to be <laughs> of, right? Yeah. Um, and that, and that's the thing is like you need those kind of cars driving around because that's what the older folks are going to relate to. Then they could tell the younger folks exactly what it was about, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's you know I like when the motor's up front because you could, it's right in the driver's face and it looks like a regular car and you know that kind of stuff um, where they can relate it to. The younger people, but see, then the younger people see the, like you said earlier, the, the, the light in their eyes, right? And that's what excites people is, is being part of that. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, or uh, the ooh ah factor. I mean, we have a picture of I think it was like 1969, as you can tell, because the the boys are wearing um, white socks that are almost calf high, and they have two color stripes around them. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> and so, but everybody's looking at the Color Me Gone Dodge, and it's on the trailer, and it's like, a, ooh, wow, look at this, the yeah. colors and the decals and the size of the tire and all that. And now it's how do you get these people back in now? Because really those kids, they don't give a damn about their streetcar right now. It's a two-from. You know, it, it that doesn't excite them. How do you get them back? Right. And having stuff like what... You're having, I mean, even the Slant 6 stuff, which brings, you know, Grandpa, brings Dad. You know, it's something the whole family can do. And thank God, you know, when, when we see, you know, bigger tracks up here charging 25 bucks, 20 bucks to have people come in at Test and Tune, are you nuts? You know, I mean, that's not, here, let us, you, you pay a full price, you pay $200 to watch the Detroit Lions uh, just practice for an hour. And now go away. <laughs> right, right. You know, well, I, I look at it like this, and I've said it before. I, I wish I would get somebody to take me up on it. Um, if you're running an event and there's three people in the stands to watch it, right, just like 
let's just say bracket racing in because it's not spectator friendly. No, it's not. Right? Why charge somebody even to come in the gate? Pack that motor all the way to the hill. Yeah. Right? And maybe you'll sell a hot dog or two. But when you do that, the racers aren't stupid. They see the stands absolutely packed to the rafters. And would they rather go race at another track that has nobody sitting there or at your track? True. I mean, that's what we talked about. Even if you go back to, I think we had a video a couple of weeks ago that we said, you know, have a ladies' night. All ladies uh-huh. get in free. It's a cheap date, but that date's going to want a $4 hot dog and a three fifty Pepsi that you made a little bit of profit, profit on, you know, and now that gets them under the tent. Under the tent. you got to get them in. If you're going right. to do it for $20 and, they're, and you know, you sit down and the, there isn't any flushable bathrooms for the women, that's strike one. You know, strike two is if we're watching guys just try to get seat time and doing a couple of hits and stuff, not competition, but test and tune, you're going to turn those people off right now because some of them don't know the difference between test and tune and, and racing. And so right. that's why I think it's interesting. And that's why I encourage everybody that, you know, can hear us, you know, follow, hit the follow button on the American Hot Rod Association, you know, Facebook page. See what they're doing. What's coming up next? Yeah, maybe sometimes you're going to have to travel. If you're living in Maine right now, you're going to have a little bit of a drive to Missouri. However, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that you're going to be uh, find it a waste of your time to go. I mean, now if you got Humboldt coming up, and, and I'm sure they're, they're not going to have too many world championships there because I don't remember seeing pictures where it's really a big, big, big place. No. You know, no. but it's the whole fact that can you hear what, what Dallas Brown is telling you folks? You know, here's a man who obviously served his country very, very well, you know, and he's got nothing but great ideas of how to grow this sport, not to protect the sport, not to make sure that you still have your TV coverage, you know, but how do you grow the sport in ways that was either classically done or something that's brand new? Uh, somehow, some way, get to Dallas Brown. He, obviously, you're on Facebook. You can right. email him. You can call him. I believe his phone number is right there. And if not, I'm pretty well damn sure he'll be more than happy to call you. You know, I mean, it's it's almost frustrating when you see this, and, and we're not even living it. You are. You know, it, it's it's a slow growth for you, but it's you have our undying respect with what you do, you know, because and, and we okay. think it's from the heart and it's not from the wallet because you don't do things based on calculation of how much money we're going to make on Mopar versus the world because that's super easy to put out there. You know, but right. to do what you're doing and thinking differently is exciting. It really is. Talking about exciting, how many races you got this year? And we better start uh, rattling them off. <laughs> okay, well, I got, I literally have uh, 15 performance based payout bracket races this year. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, 20 performance based payout bracket races this year. Yeah, um, so there's five at each track. Um, within the continental U.S., so you got Northeast Dragway in Hertford, North Carolina, Katy Dragway in Southwestern Ohio, uh, Jeffers Motorsports Park in Sykeston, Missouri, and then Humboldt County Dragway in Humboldt, Iowa. They all have five performance-based payout bracket races. So you better you're say what that is. You win oh, with I was, that. I was going to say, you better say what that means. 
yeah, if you're a member and you win the performance-based payout brackets, you get paid, let's say, you know, whatever the – you take all the members and you, you assign them a number, and it's, it all works out to, like, you know, four or 500 bucks, okay? Now, it, this is where it gets interesting because um, if you're – let's say you're box class racer and you win the box class and you've got a box in your car, you're going to get that four or 500 bucks. Right, and it may be more than that, depending on how many members there is, because it's it's all based on how big the membership is. So, but if you win that box class without a box, you put in more effort, more work, and every job that you've ever done in your life where you had more work to do, more effort to do it, and there was more on the line, you got paid more money, and that's what we do. So then that payout goes up double. Now, if you show up to the track and you win that box class, and you're rowing your own gears and you've got to stab the clutch for each individual gear change, the payout's now double the double, right? So you're looking at like $2,000 a payout if you win the, the box class with a stick shift. Now, you know the odds are in, in our favor, of course, right? I mean, that's just that's, that's the, pretty much how the performance-based payout works uh, because you're running against the electronics. But we like to see the people that have the heart, that have the, the skill, uh, to get this done, and they should get paid for when they actually do it. So, um, and then we have our other, we have three large events this year, which is your uh, no-name nationals at Jefferson Motorsports Park for the YouTube content creators. You got your shootout at Sundown, Humboldt County Dragway, um, which is a heads-up best-of-three instant green race. Um, and then you got Katie Dragway uh, in Ohio where we're doing the uh, – we're doing the Inliner National Challenge. So some of those are on top of some performance-based payout bracket racing because that makes it easy when you don't have all the overhead for traveling multiple times. But uh, yeah. that's, that's the things we have going on at the moment. All right, so now if you're anywhere around, you get to go to Iowa, Ohio. What were the other two states? Iowa, Ohio, uh, Missouri, and then North Carolina. Man, all right, so you can almost put a blanket over those four as opposed to going out to California, IA. Good for yeah. you. No, <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm telling you, the more and more and more you see about that Humboldt, and I'm telling you, we got our, not that we don't have our eye on the other ones, but we have our eye on that one, only because the story is so grassroots Americana, you know. Oh, yeah, and it's the American dream, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> ask the wife. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, w- I want to be, I don't know what kind of line that uh, the gentleman used to say, hey, honey, you want to really invest a lot of money and not become a millionaire? Sure. I want to know what that line was. <laughs> Whatever he did, he better bottle that, you know. <laughs> For sure. Start selling it immediately. Yeah. But, you know, thank God that, that the HRA, that they went HRA. You know, I mean, honestly, really. Because it, it just seems to be the quintessential, at this particular point, HRA track. Right. And well, I, thank you. Well, I, I just, well, thank you. You're the one who did it. <laughs> you know. Well, we, we love that little track. It's, it's literally the field of dreams of drag racing. That, that little track is exactly like that movie. You know, instead of it being a ball diamond, it's, it's a drag strip that somebody built in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. It's three miles outside of Humboldt. Um, and well, that's it, it. <laughs> it'll have it has corn on essentially three sides of it, 
you know, at the uh, about the middle part of the year. Yeah. And when they do their, they have an annual race there called the Tall Corn Open. It's actually a <laughs> takeaway from. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and it was a takeaway from the old AHRA days where it was an open national event. Because uh, yeah. that track was originally an AHRA track when they opened in 62. And when they do that event, they always bring in, there's fuel cars and wow. uh, fuel bikes. And the neat thing is when you're encapsulated in that corn and the humidity level is fairly high because it's in the middle of the summertime, yeah. um, you'll start seeing it's exactly like drag racing from the 60s where they're at Lions on the beach because you'll start having the steam rolling out of the breathers of the cars, and it is just a, uh, I don't know how, it's a picturesque, but as you know, the fuel and smoke stuff, it's more than just the sights, uh, it's the sounds, it's the feelings, it's the in your chest, it's your eyeballs vibrating, it's the whole nine yards, right? Uh, And it's, it's hard to explain that to someone who's never been. How close are they to opening? Are they going to open this year? Humboldt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to open. Um, we're going to be up there May the 21st. I think their opening weekend is, I think, the 7th. All right. I mean, is is anybody going to be there? Is anybody going to bring a, a video camera or something? As I'm, I'm pretty close. You are? I'm sure they're going to do something. Um, okay. We're going to try to do some streaming live from out there because oh. um, i got to start putting stuff on uh, YouTube because uh, I'm trying to do this YouTube channel for AHRA. And yeah. it started last year with uh, Tony DeFeo and I did um, drag racing history on the AHRA channel or on the HRA page, and it went over really well. There was a lot of people really liked it, and uh, and it's really just him and I talking about the evolution of drag racing for per essentially each class. Um, but it's some interesting and fun stuff. Uh, and I threw a bunch of pictures in there. And then I did a few interview, interviews. I had one with Jim Hall from the Golden Commandos and one with Animal Jim, um, you know, from Animal Jim for your racing. So uh, him is, you know, I didn't interview Zeke because Zeke doesn't talk that much. But. Mm. Yeah, you, the interesting thing about that is, and I think last time we saw that, didn't you get the third square? Weren't you on the bottom? Everybody, the other two guys had really big half of the screen and then you were like in some truck in the bottom there at night what was that oh no that was my live stream just recently that was yeah. two weeks ago yeah. yeah that was um okay so that was for the no name national we actually announced a sponsor for that one yeah uh, yeah buzz from roadkill customs um who has a a web page where they're essentially like a a diy um it's a it's a web resource I guess, as you want to call it. It'd be like bank shift, but okay. it's just a DIY stuff. Uh, majority of it's DIY stuff. And um, I was on the road for the opening event in um, in North Carolina, this year's opening event, and I had driven 12 hours, <laughs> and um, I popped in live from my truck in the cab uh, on the side of the road in North Carolina. <laughs> This man is nothing if not dedicated. Yeah, I mean, you got this little teeny tiny thing, and it was dark, and you could barely see you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't want to turn the light up really bright because I was afraid I was going to get arrested or pulled over because I was sitting on the side of the road. What's this man doing? 
Yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, how many people sit on the side of the road and film a live YouTube channel, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's this guy with a big bright light in his pickup truck, and he's talking to himself a lot. <laughs> right. And, and, and you know, i got a single-cab truck, and I, and I was fixing to sleep in the front uh, of the truck. So, I yeah. mean, it's not like it was going to... It wouldn't have went over well. Here I am streaming live YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> looking like I'm living out of my truck. You know, what kind of weird stuff is going on here? <sighs> yeah, I mean, if you can, whatever you're going to do. Now, here's the open invitation. Whatever's going on at Humboldt, or, or Humboldt, I should say, it, it's only because how <laughs> we just got a note here from Dave, our intern. What is the nearest city, big city, that people would recognize Closest to Humboldt. Okay, well, that's that's interesting that you say that. There's Fort Dodge, Iowa, but most people probably haven't heard of that one. No. But Minneapolis, St. Paul is only about 35, 40 miles away. Okay, that puts it in perspective. Man, that's way up high there. Oh, yeah. It's 14 hours from where I live to go there. Holy jump. And, yeah, when that, I thought that was kind of cute when you had the truck and say, we're ready to roll this year. I thought that was cool. You know, you don't see anybody else in any of the other RAs saying, here's our not-so-brand-new truck, but it looks, you know, sturdy and good, solid, you know, and we're going to be traveling. And I thought, you know yeah. what, that if that doesn't encapsulate you, you know, of, of that you're going to make sure that everybody knows you and that your ideas are going to come across, I think it was it was a very wonderful thing that you did. All right, so now anything that this comes up, this this... <laughs> Grass high or mile high or whatever the thing is, that sounds like fun. Oh my god! You tell us, Mr. Brown, anything that we can do on our side. We'll be more than happy to uh, put anything up that we can uh, on our Facebook page or whatever. Anything to help you guys out because I I think the effort that you're doing would have killed many a man many years ago. You know, oh. and, and that you're well, doing thanks. this. Well, thank yourself uh, again. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, the, your time will come. You know, unfortunately, it's taken a little bit longer. And you're right. You had to, you know, had to wait around for two years while the world had to go blow their nose and hope to God not get sick. You know, so right. it's, uh, again, anybody, is there anybody that we didn't talk about? Before we have to shuffle off here in the next couple of minutes. I mean, anybody um, that we should have any uh, promoters or uh, sponsors, anything? Um, sponsors, I mean, you know, sponsors help out, help out a lot. And right now, sure. sponsorships are the hardest things to get because everyone's coming out of this. Amen, brother. Past couple of years where they, you know, the, everything has waned. And you've tried to live off of what you had for the past couple of years. Um, and the sponsors are no different. Um, you know, it, and we try to focus on our events are the grassroots type events for the regular racer. And we try to focus on sponsorships from said same kind of format, right? So yeah. mom and pop, machine shop, um, the, the guy that's recapping slicks in his garage. Um, those are the people that we try to get for sponsorships. Like, this year, we lost three of our sponsors. Two of them last year died from COVID. Wow. And the businesses went away. Um, this year, we have probably one of the last speed shops that I've seen in the world, um, Speed Oasis out of uh, 
Chesapeake, Virginia, uh, sponsored us this year. Uh, they also sponsor a lot of stuff out at Northeast Dragway because that's where they're at, um, mm-hmm. not far from there. But uh, we we try to use the the little. It's not the the you know the the nobody. It's the the grassroots, the people that actually build the sport. Um, we try to use those as sponsorships. Now, don't get me wrong. If if Coca Cola came along or something, or well, probably not Coca Cola. Uh, probably Pepsi, if they came along, you know, we, we'd try to do something with them, no problem. But um, it, we don't run around chasing those guys, to be honest with you. Yeah, but if, if, that's if Coca-Cola came up for you, <laughs> talk about take one for you in HRA. <laughs> or, right, and, and see, that's the the problem is, like, that's where I don't want to, I don't want to have any, I don't even want to be considered seconds or leftovers. Right. Nope. But we're all by ourselves over here on a little pond, trying to have fun if those other big guys want to fight it out cut each other's throat have at it right sponsorships all that stuff we're going to be over here having fun and when you guys get done with your stupid stuff come over here with us we'll let you have fun so it's an amazing thing so if there's any sponsors out there even even if you know you only have five hundred thousand dollars to give dallas you know that'll be a start i mean at least you'll get your name on the program Yo, for sure. Yeah, we, we usually start our packages right around five hundred thousand to you know three quarters of a million. Wow, they came uh, down this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think uh, I. To be honest with you, we start as as cheap as three hundred bucks for a whole year. So, um, if you want to get your name out there, just about anybody can afford that. If you have any type of advertising budget whatsoever, um, we try to we try to accommodate anybody. You know, and that's the whole thing. Um, but uh, I, I absolutely love what you guys are doing with this uh, the radio show, and I've been following you since essentially the beginning. Yeah, um, thanks. Yeah, I've, you guys are just like me. You know, you love the sport, and it doesn't matter, you know, what flag you're carrying. It's just as long as the sport survives and the people enjoy what they're doing. So, Absolutely, positively true, and, and we just want to make sure that uh, we want to tell the CKWI Radio 76 affiliates that we did run a little bit long with Mr. Brown, but we don't give a damn. I know the owner of the place, I'll smooth it with them. But uh, <laughs> we'll make it up on the Detroit Sports Authorities that are coming up here ooh, in 40 minutes at Studio B. If you love the Detroit sports scene, you'll love the Detroit Sports Authorities coming up here at 7 p.m. All right, Dallas, seriously, man, thanks for being here. You know, you have an open invitation any given time. Just, Just... You know, give me a shoot on, on Facebook, whatever we can do for you. Okay, well, that sounds great. I really appreciate it, John. Well, we appreciate you. Thanks, Dallas. All right. All right, bye, sir. Yeah. I'm telling you, Dallas Brown, an amazing guy. And again, he doesn't have to do this. I mean, he's a veteran. He can just go sit out on, on the veranda, you know, overlook the ocean this is a lot of flipping work this guy's doing. He's going from point A's to point B's, knocking on doors. And I bet you there's some times where he gets a little bit, well, I shan't talk about the guy, but, you know, for the guy. But, you know, you wonder if he wouldn't get discouraged because you think, I have the HRA. I'm doing, there's more grassroots, there's more sportsman guys out there than there are any smoke and noise classes you know, and where are you going to keep drag racing alive from? You don't get it from double A fuelers, and you don't get it from 
funny cars. Those guys are, are, I shan't say lucky because they're all good. There's so many different slices to the uh, drag racing cake. There is tons, but yet they all are cut from the same center. And, and that's, and Dallas sees this whole thing about, you know, getting the guy and, and the family and the come and maybe the neighbors come watch you and stuff like that. And he's not wrong. God bless. He's the one that, you know, sees it how we see it. If you bring people under the tent, show them a good time, they will come back. Don't rip them off. Don't give them a $10 water. You can get that at any baseball field, I think, in my opinion, you know, to get the legalese out of the way. You know, you don't want to gouge these people. Give people an honest entertainment for an honest dollar. If you have to take a hit and do one of those, as many kids as you or many people as you can jam into your car, you know, the whole car is 20 bucks. You know, it's ladies' night. You know, get the ladies in free. It's $5 test and tune. Here's an idea, friends. Nobody is going to test and tune and paying 20 bucks. The only reason that test and tune exists, probably for about two reasons in our estimation. One, because it's iffy weather. And if you're talking Michigan, just about the first full month that you're open is test and tune. Because God knows what this weather is going to be like over here. Also, it's just to get the bugs out of your car, especially in the beginning when you're just, you know, trying to get you know, all the combinations that you put together over Thanksgiving and stuff in your car. It's test and tune. It's not a real race. Bless you not to charge people full price to watch somebody just going, uh, maybe I should try, you know, let me just get some seat time so I can cut the lights better. Or whatever. You don't do that. Don't. But if you give them five bucks to come in to test and tune, you've packed the stands. Yes, we've had Brian Wolf. Yes, we've had um, Mr. Holbrook on. Yes, we've had all kinds of racers on. You know, that say to a certain degree, we block out. You know, when it's my turn to go up to the stripe, I block everybody out. But when I'm walking around the pits and I hear people cheer and I hear people clap, you go, what the hell is that? That's for your sport. Sport? <laughs> there are people in the stands. They want to be entertained. This is the year. 2020 is a year to get your buns out. People have been in for too long. They'll go out to watch tiddlywinks. You know, give them a, an, a reason to come out. Give them a reason to see the pageantry of drag racing give them a reason you know and make it affordable then jack the price to wherever you want to go that you feel comfortable and i hope you don't jack too much <laughs> said that you know what i mean however you know don't charge them for an inferior product charge them for something that is they'll come back for and they'll see it you don't charge you know eighty dollars to watch, uh, think of a group, and the, the Rolling Stones like tune their instruments and then make them go away because you'll go, what the hell was that? They didn't even play anything. But you charge them eighty bucks plus to see a whole ninety-minute concert with fanfare and all kinds of fun things. <sighs> Dallas Brown and I could not be more in agreement. 
uh, stuff like that. And again, it's easy on us because we're not track owners. So how the hell do we tell you how to run your track? Well, we don't, but here's the story. We're the world's biggest cheerleaders for your sport that you have a huge investment in, and we're doing all we can for free to make sure that you guys keep in business. You know, If you guys go out of business today or tomorrow, okay, you're going to take a huge loss. We're going to go somewhere else. You know, we want to see you survive. We want to see you thrive. And that's why we have put in as much as we have to watch this sport go. It needs to come back. It's a great sport. The whole family, it's good for the whole family, you know, without any kind of weirdo stuff going on in between. 